Welcome to another episode of the Loving Life After Loss podcast. I am your host, Marie Alessi. Okay. There we go. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, lovely people. This is Marie Alessi with yet another Upspiral Grief interview. And today I was so pumped. I was really looking forward to doing this with you, Sarah. I have the honor to introduce you to Sarah Shushunyan. Oh my God, this is this is one of the craziest surnames for me to get out. I just practiced it beforehand and I still stuffed it up. Uh, Sarah, I'm so, so grateful that you came here today. You are coming all the way from Canada, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Please do us the honor, uh, introduce yourself to the group because we just tried to figure out how we connected. We somehow connected on Facebook. It's been quite a few years now and I, yeah, I can't wait to get into our interview here but please just you want to introduce yourself to our audience welcome thank you thank you so much for having me so as you said my thank name you. is Sarah Shajunian um I've been a nurse since you said it's so much nicer <laughs> I'm used to it sorry uh, I've been a nurse since 2004 but I think uh, Marie we met because um I had founded lighting up dark corners in 2008 mm -hmm at the end and I know I was online yeah. and I think that's how we connected somehow um yeah, but a little bit about my my story I guess of why mm -hmm. I create founded lighting up dark corners how I got to doing all this healing work so um mm -hmm. I have a lot of uh trauma in my in my past and so you know I have incest I was married to someone who was very abusive so domestic violence a uh, victim yeah. Um, I was on the streets for a while. So a lot of, mm -hmm. um, I've been raped there. Uh, so, you know, I used to beg on the streets, a lot of um, drugs and alcohol most of my life. Um, and so I struggled through, throughout life, although I, you know, managed to keep going. Um, I became a mother when I was 18. Uh, my first mm -hmm. child, I married someone who was um, 15 years older than me. So I was 18. He was 32. He was supposedly a refugee. Mm -hmm. I was going to save him. He was going to love me forever. Um, and my plan didn't really go <laughs> as mm -hmm. planned. Um, he was deported. Um, I followed him there. For, you know, it was mm -hmm. 12 years of just trying to get his papers. And within that 12 years, I had three kids. Um, mm -hmm. And when I turned followed 20, him there, we are talking about Africa. Is I went right? to Nigeria. I went to Nigeria yeah. uh, for a while, mm -hmm. um, and then we there was no Canadian embassy at the time in Nigeria because it's very mm -hmm. corrupt, and so mm -hmm. we moved to France for a year, uh, and I sponsored him from there. And because it was taking a lot of time, he sent me back to live with his brothers here in Toronto. Um, and then that was like five years uh, without him, where we were waiting for him to come back. Obviously, he wasn't wow. a real refugee. <laughs> so they mm -hmm. were like, on to him. Um, he came back illegally. At that point, I had one child. He came back illegally. I got pregnant right away. And we tried to get his papers from within uh, the country. And I had another child not too long after that and realized that he was really abusive. I was 28 and I was tired of it. And I, I think that was where I kind of started to stand up for myself and decided that yeah. I 
realized that the the abuse was affecting my kids and that's when yeah. you know my parents were separated and weren't together and my dad wasn't mm -hmm. around as I wished he was and so I wanted to make sure that my kids had that family unit you know complete yeah. family unit no matter what mm -hmm. the cost was to me uh, but then yeah. at some point I realized, oh my God, like this is affecting my kids and my kids yeah. are going to marry someone like this. And so, you know, yeah. he literally almost um, strangled me to death in front of my two-year-old and my one-year-old. Oh. Uh, and so that's when I decided that, and my ten, then 10-year-old, my eldest told me, why are you staying with him? I want to run away. And mm. I, I just clicked in my head, like, wow. oh my God, wow. like I'm right? I'm staying for them. And this mm. is bad for them. Within a month, I was gone. I left. Um, oh. You know, and it was very scary, because he had threatened to kill me if I annoyed him. Um, mm. And so that was the start of me starting to slowly stand up for myself. This was yeah. in 2008. So it's been a long journey uh, since. And can, I, can I just pause you there for one second, Sarah? Like when you said, you know, your eldest daughter was 10 and it's it's just so incredibly beautiful for her with, you know, such a pure heart that they don't overthink things. They just feel, they just feel what's going on. It's, it's not right. And for her to point that out and for you to then go like, you know, oh, it clicked. I need to get out of here. Um, how was he actually with your children, with your daughters? Was he abusive towards them as well? Or just under huge quotation marks to you in front of them he was abusive to my eldest so when the the, mm. the younger ones were one and two he was very mm. affectionate and not really abusive at that point once they yeah. seemed to reach an age where they can understand yeah. like four yeah. or five I remember one of my kids five years old not wanting to eat a piece of chicken and getting slapped in the face so you know that that's when mm. I was like no no this is not gonna work so I I left yeah. and it was very scary because he had threatened me that if I annoyed I him in my grave uh but at that point it was like over my dead body um yeah and so I left and it was very difficult I was 28 I I struggled mm. with addictions so when I was with mm. him I was able to completely stop everything because he didn't want me to do it and I wanted that family unit yeah. so bad that it, I was over to yeah. able to overcome it but when I was on my own I fell right back um so I knew I was drinking a lot I was smoking a lot of weed and I was like mm. 28 with three kids and I was like wasn't sure I was going to be able to make it but um yeah. I did I worked 60 hours yeah. Um, and I made it work and we went through a very difficult, um, he tried to, I wanted it to be like a clean divorce, like no issues, you know, and mm. he didn't want that. And so he brought me to court and asking for spousal support. And so <laughs> lying too, he's, he did a lot of fraud. Yeah. Um, and so he had more money than I did. He did all kinds of mm. things, but he was trying wow. to, you know, make me you know, go back to him and, and become submissive again, which didn't work. And, you know, it was very difficult three years in court. Um, I struggled on top of being alone, taking care of my three kids. I was paying lawyers, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but in the end it turned against him. And he, we got a judge that was like, what are you doing? You're, you're, she's, this young lady is taking care of your kids. Yeah. And so it turned yeah. around against them. And big mm. blessing in, in the skies, he decided to leave because he didn't want to pay. 
Um, and you know, he tried to make the kids think that he was getting deported because of me again. Uh, but we yeah. found out that wasn't true. He just didn't want to pay. And he's left since 2013. Yeah. He's been here, which is so there's no more contact. No. Oh, I just yeah. want to read something quickly to you. I didn't want to interrupt you. Thank you, Adrian. Adrian um, uh, is a beautiful person that I do ask the expert interviews with once a, a month and he's watching live now. And he said so much work needs to uh, be done in this base with men and couples yeah I totally agree Adrian you know and uh I just so love that you're here Sarah talking talking openly about this because there is so many that do live in this abusive relationship and do not have the support or the inner strength to actually stand up and for your daughter at 10 years age to stand up and go like mom we need to get out of here this is incredible so um how many years are we talking of that moment where your daughter said that to when he actually left? Um, about five years. Wow. I had left already. I left in 2008 and he, he left the country yeah. in 2013. Wow. Yeah. Five years. It's, it's incredible. Um, Sarah, I met you first and I want to talk about this as well, what you did with it. But I, I still remember when I first met you, you were still on such a different journey. You know, you were still in this whole finding ways to deal with this. And I remember when I first watched you, how you started like full on working out, boxing, doing like really working so hard on your body, like literally coming clean, getting away from the addiction and really this whole wholeheartedly this urge to say yes to life and change something for you and working through uh, addiction patterns and uh, the you know the PTSD that you were left with through, through everything that you've experienced in your childhood in, in this domestic violence situation and I also know that we talked about uh, the loss of your cousin at some stage because that was a really big, big impact for you um, can you share a little bit about that? Because I know that you and your cousin were extremely close and there was, you know, a lot of support and love coming from that end as well. I actually have. And a really, then the grief, of course. Yes, I actually have a really a cool story about that. Well, mm. you know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, me and my, he, he was he's, he was my cousin, but we grew up as brother and sisters. We never referred to each other as cousins. Uh, yeah. We were very close, like soulmates. We we mm. dreamed both of us to save the world uh you know we both mm. had pain we can feel the pain of the world when we were very young um yeah. so we were extremely close and you know we were always living together and when i was mm. um 12 years old he his mother moved to georgia so in the united states um and it was very difficult the separation was so difficult mm. uh the whole year i was in such a like so depressed i didn't want to do anything mm. anymore my parents decided to send me to georgia um and mm. so i stayed there for a year with him but his mother was actually even more neglectful than my parents and so i was abused sexually abused again there and um you know she couldn't handle me and was becoming physically abusive so I had to leave and my cousin didn't want to stay there alone with her, um, but we had no choice. And I had this ring on my finger um, and I gave him this ring and said, I'm always with you. And so he was, uh, I would say when I gave him the ring, he must've been 14. 
Um, he wore the ring and never took it off. And he passed mm -hmm. away in a car accident, drinking and driving when he was 24. Um, and the ring was taken off of him and sent back to me. Everybody knew this is like Sarah's ring. I just had We're chills. Oh. oh my God. Yes. So the ring was sent back to me and it's like my most like important belonging that I have. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I wore it for a while and I, and it, I gained- Are you wearing it? Yes, the, yes. Oh, oh yes. So oh, there's, wow. There's a big, good story. Like, I think your viewers will like yeah. this. Um, mm. And so, you know, at some point I couldn't wear it anymore because I gained weight um, and I took it off. Mm. But, uh, you know, really when the pandemic hit, um, it was really difficult for me. Uh, I, I felt abused, oppressed, all these things that I had worked on. I was very triggered. We're coming back. I could see, I worked in a nursing home, so I could see my residents mm. were being uh, neglected. And, you know, I facilitated groups, mental health, people were deteriorating, suicidal overdoses. Mm. So I was in a really bad place because I knew that it was wrong, but I wasn't speaking out. And I had mm -hmm. healed because I was standing in my truth and here I was disaligning again and I was sliding again. And someone mm -hmm. reminded me like, don't you have something like to ground you? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there was nothing that could ground me. I, you know, your viewers don't know, but I was the first nurse to speak out at a rally here against the lockdowns mm -hmm. in Canada. And yeah. I was fired. I remember I that. Oh my God. Yeah, defamed internationally, called domestic terrorists. So we had like hundreds of death threats come at us. Um, mm. The RCFP came at my door. And so mm. I felt really unsafe. And, you know, even mm. going outside these days, some like people recognize me sometimes yeah. and sometimes they yeah. don't like me. <laughs> um, mm. And so I really didn't feel safe. And I was like, someone's going to kill me. And, you know, my kids, what are they going to do to my kids? And I, and yeah. I would become distressed. Um, yeah, and so, you know, and then I was reminded of this and, and my mm -hmm. ring. And, and so I started wearing it all the time as a grounding mm -hmm. tool, oh, because wow. no matter how hard it gets for me, um, you know, we still get threats. Like right now I'm being told I need like a quarter million to continue court cases. Like there's always like, it, it just never ends. People are after me. Like it's just been three years and it's still going on. Um, yeah. and, uh, so, um, you know, I was always scared, but it reminds me when he died, he had a daughter. Um, he had, she's still, she's still alive. She's doing yeah. great. And I wondered, oh my God, what's going to happen to her? How is she going to live? Yeah. Um, and yeah. I saw her, you know, life goes on. She went to school. Now she's working. She has a child. So I realized, oh, she has her own journey. And, you know, mm. people adapt to things, right? You know, of course, she has her own yeah. coping mechanisms and things like that. Um, mm. But so I wear this so that when I'm scared that something's going to happen to me, it reminds me what's the worst that can happen? Well, yeah, he's somewhere, who knows, in the universe or, uh, you know, I'm sure he's okay. Um, mm. And so is his daughter. She has her own journey. So it reminds me that no matter what happens to me, when I'm in these times where, you know, I'm so worried, are they going to put me in jail? My kids are, you know, are they going to go after my kids? I'm reminded that my kids have their own journey and they will go through mm -hmm. whatever they need to go through. Um, and, and, and they'll be okay too, no matter what. So, so I wear this as a grounding tool and I carry him mm -hmm. with me in 
my heart all the time. Mm. And like I said, I'm in really difficult court battles right now. Um, and I just bring him with me and I feel him yeah. with me, I make him live within me. Um, and so this is, this is how I grieve it. Right. I, I just mm. bring his memory with me everywhere. This is such a beautiful and incredible story because, you know, I knew the background about your, let's call him your brother's passing. And, uh, it's just so beautiful, the bond that you two had and that this still lives on and grounds you to today, you know, just knowing that he's with you and I'm absolutely certain he is. I would like to um, go back a little bit to what you said because you sort of brushed over and it just shows how far you have come on your journey when you just say that in one sentence where as a sole parent myself, I know how much work it takes to work through that, to work through the fears, to come through through that mindset and mindset and to this inner knowing that no matter what, my kids will be okay. And you just said that in one sentence and carried on. I'm like, whoa, because I know how much it takes to come to that. I know the fears that I had not even being in a situation where I am in a legal battle where I have, you know, hundreds and thousands of people that might be of a completely different political background, opinion, whatever. And we had a bit of a chat before and I said, I don't want to go too much into the political. However, um, it is quite, you know, a massive intense reality for you right now. And for you to go through that, to stand up for something that you so strongly believe in and to choose that path with everything that you've already gone through and you've gone through a lot. I was just sitting there watching you from afar in absolute awe and watching you transform and watching you make decisions in life uh, that have brought you to such a healthy uh, mindset, character, personality, mom. And I, I literally wholeheartedly admire you. And that is an absolute understatement. I have no words to, to say to you how much I admire the journey that you've been on. You are so unbelievable. And with everything that you have under your belt in experience and in trauma, to stand strong in what you believe in as a sole parent and also um, with the business or the movement that you have created, I don't know what you call it, the lightning up dark corners. Um, yeah. Just before we went live, I said to you, what's, what's that lighthouse behind you? Because I often talk about, you know, Rob's sentence, if anything would ever happen to me. And that was our theory talk that we had a couple of years before he passed. And neither of us knew that it would happen. But we had this chat and he said, if anything ever happened to me, I would want you to take the boys and create the happiest life possible. And that mm -hmm. sentence to me became my lighthouse in the darkness. So when I see lighthouses, I instantly, you know, it, it, it has such a deep meaning for me and I know it has for you too. So I'd like to share a little bit uh, or I'd like you to share a little bit about that. Where did, well, it's quite obvious, I think, with the story that you shared where it came from, but uh, how did you um, create what you do now? And can you share a little bit about the programs that you offer there? Because I think it's phenomenal what you've created. Okay, great. I'll try to do it like in a real fast thing so because it all started <laughs> no, from, please. It, yeah. it started from a big burden so I I mm -hmm. in 2017 I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and I was 
crippled. I literally yeah. can get out of bed. Um, and it was two years of like every medical exam or lab that you can think of and they couldn't figure mm. out was, what was wrong with me. They thought I had rheumatoid arthritis, yeah. I had bladder problems, mm. had severe fatigue. I couldn't hold my arms up anymore. Um, I was in bed yeah. tired, laying down. Um, I was in so much pain, so much nerve pain. I had sat, sciatic nerve issues. I was mm. feeling bugs crawling on me. I was, my memory oh. was going, I was lose. I was becoming unstable mm. off balance. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I could, my eyesight was weird. I couldn't swallow. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. They were like, maybe yeah. it's in your head. And so yeah. I started doing my own research and found out that, um, about fibromyalgia, I was diagnosed around the same time. Um, and that mm -hmm. how fibromyalgia is all about toxicity. Toxicity is anything, food, water, air. It's in the medications, chemicals, mm -hmm. things that we put yeah. on our skin. But also yeah. like anything that get, puts the fight or flight response at, into action, right? And so anything mm -hmm. that stresses the body. So something that really stresses the body that people don't realize is unresolved trauma or emotion. I just wanted to say, so it's emotion and physical, yeah. Absolutely. Fibromyalgia yeah. is somatic illness. So usually mm. the emotional part is the big part and everything mm. else that you do, like the drinking and stuff comes from this root cause yeah. so you need to yeah. go to that to that root cause um and mm -hmm. here in canada it's fibromyalgia is known to be a long-term disability and they give you a pill for everything so mm -hmm. so they wanted to put me on painkillers they wanted to put me on sleeping pills they wanted to give me hormones they wanted and so i was like this is just more toxicity and people yeah. don't know they take these pills they feel better for a minute and then mm -hmm. they become tolerant yeah. and they higher doses higher doses yeah. And at some point you so can't down, get a from there. And then you haven't gone to the root cause of the problem. And so it does become yeah. a disability. I can't believe it becoming mm -hmm. worse than it was because I couldn't get out of bed. Yeah. I couldn't work. So I, I hit rock bottom. And mm -hmm. so I decided that I knew that I wasn't going to go with the medical industry. That's how I started doubting the medical industry. I started looking in more yeah. into what was going on. Um, but I decided to get help for my trauma and I joined mm -hmm. a support group for uh, adult survivors of sexual abuse. And there mm -hmm. I learned out, I learned that I wasn't alone, but I also learned that yeah. everything I had gone through was normal for what I had been through. So all that shame I carried mm -hmm. from, from all the things that happened to me afterwards kind of shed. Um, that and must so have been such a relief. Yes. And so I was able yeah. to then start accepting myself um, and mm. forgiving myself and therefore start taking care of myself and loving my learning to love myself. Mm. So I, I, I became sober very quickly after that. I started going to the gym. Like you said, that's probably around the time mm -hmm. we met. I lost 60 pounds. Uh, I started eating mm. organic, taking supplements. But really, the most important thing I did is that I stood in my truth. So a lot of us mm. are living a lie that we tell ourselves mm. to protect ourselves from the truth. Um, so I stopped doing that. And I okay. went to all those dark corners and I looked at them. For example, I was always known to be the troublemaker. So it was always my fault. But as I mm. learned things about trauma and things like that, I realized, wait a minute, my parents didn't take care of me. It was normal for me to act this way you know, yeah. because of emotional neglect, physical abuse, yeah. sexual abuse. 
Um, and so I kind of put the blame back where it belonged, which is mm. very difficult yeah. to do. Um, yeah. But from then on, it was, it's always been standing in my truth. And I notice anytime I start people pleasing or I disalign, like when I was working as a nurse during the pandemic and I stayed quiet because I knew I was going to get fired. And people were like, mm. I was like, oh my God, you, we're going to get killed if we speak about this. Yeah, um, that's you know, huge. I, I, yeah, I, I was quiet, but it came to the point mm -hmm. where I was so disaligned and I was falling back. And I said, you know what? I don't care. I put fate over fear and I decided to mm -hmm. speak out because I know that no matter what in this life, I do not ever want to live a lie again. And that's why this pandemic is making it so difficult. Um, and so, so can I just, I need to just pause you for one second here because everything you say you make it sound so easy and we all know it's not you know like you're like oh, I just knew that wasn't good for me that was toxic so I just stopped that and just in even in that sentence alone so I just stopped that people will be sitting here going like how on earth no, did you do that how because you know uh, that it's not good for you you know that you need to look into the root cause you know that you need healing but there are people sitting there going like, I know all that too, but how on earth did you find the strength to stand up when you had, you know, the extra pounds, when you had the not functioning, not knowing how to get out of bed, when you had the extreme pain, where on earth did you find the strength from? Because this, you've gone through so much trauma in your life that uh, it would have been an easy way to just, you know, fall apart and just go like, I, I just literally have nothing left. I have no strength. And you were at that point. So where on earth did you find that strength from to turn everything around and go like, I need to do this? Well, I think that when I left my husband and we went through that court case and I, and he ended up leaving and I felt like, oh my God, I went through this and it like, I'm alive. Yeah. It was very empowering yeah. for me. Remember wow. that was another time where I put faith over fear. I was like, he's going to kill mm. me come get the kids, mm. but I'm doing it anyways, because it's the right thing to do for my kids. Mm. Uh, I think for me, something very, that, that people, you know, I, I had so much trauma. I stayed alive for my kids. There was so many times where mm. I was like, I don't want to be here. Uh, but I was like, yeah. Oh my God, I'm stuck. I have these, my kids here. I'm not leaving them here alone. And so I stayed alive mm. for that. Uh, so I would say that that's why I left. It was for them, for the best for them. And that made mm. me a lot stronger. Um, I find it incredible how if what, whatever you want to call it, God, the universe, um, my whole life built me. It was was made for this. But obviously, when I say it in a sentence, that's it didn't happen sense. right away. There was many times it. where I people pleased and this and that. And slowly, slowly, mm. I started not feeling good about it. And, and you know, trauma yeah. is all about anything that disconnects you, honestly. So taking a, yeah. an anxiety actually causes trauma because you're disconnecting mm -hmm. from yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And he, like re healing is all about reconnecting. And as I healed, I really started to understand how to listen to my intuition um, mm -hmm. and listen to my gut. And when something goes against me, I know it's, it's either that, or I'm going to drink again. Mm. So for me, it's, it's really like that, that balance, like, and my kids were so, are so proud of me that I stopped. I mean, so it, it came to the point where, imagine. 
it, it, yeah, it, nobody thought I would ever change. Like it's, mm. you know, and so um, it, it, and there's also a pride to it, right? I was like, oh, I can't mm. fall back. I, I, I told, yeah. I, I found it yeah. lighting up dark corners and I was helping people. Mm. I started facilitating groups myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I Are you still running that today? Lighting up dark corners? Yes. It's running more today than ever. So what happens Perfect. is a new, because back then when I founded it, I still had my two nursing jobs and I was busy. And when you have jobs and mm-hmm. money coming in, you know, you kind of yeah. like focus on that. And I didn't have much time mm-hmm. for lighting up dark corners. Yeah. Um, but God didn't, uh, I'm not, I'm not religious, but I now mm-hmm. higher power. I really believe because I feel like mm-hmm. as I spoke out, uh, things happened. I just absolutely can't explain. And my whole life yeah. brought me to this. There was no other way. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, where was I going with that? Because I said, are you still running the programs? And it said, oh, yeah, yeah, everything's been sort of oh, yeah. um, leading so, up yeah, to exactly. now having the focus. Yeah, exactly. And then so, you know, I was like, I'm going to lose everything. What am I going to do? How am I going to mm. survive? And I said, forget it. Yeah. I'll figure that. Yeah. I believe in my ability mm. to adapt because I've already left mm. with three kids at 28 and adapted quite well. Um, and yeah. so I was like, this is the same kind of thing, <laughs> right? I was like, this is the same kind of thing. Yeah. I'm really scared, but everything you ever mm. wanted is actually on the other side of fear. And so, yeah, I spoke out. I al- stayed aligned with myself. I spoke mm. my truth. I lost my two jobs. And here comes mm. all the right positioning. And because Canadian frontline nurses were creating a new healthcare paradigm by helping, mm. empowering people to be active participants in their health, not patients where you're a victim. You yeah. are an active participant. When you want to heal, love it. you can heal. We're here to educate and guide people. And so we founded mm. this and we're creating a new healthcare paradigm and lighting up dark corner fits perfectly in this. It's the mental yeah. health part to help people. So I run programs. So now I, I run the program. I've created the programs. I have time, uh, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't have those other two jobs. So I had the time to really finally create my programs. I'm running my programs. They are helping people. I am so proud of them. It's like satisfaction guaranteed. And, Mm. you know, they're like 10 week support group programs and they are not there to heal you. Uh, Support group is very important because you find out you're not alone and you make connections Mm. with people that are going through the same thing. Because you lose people, it's difficult. There's a lot of grieving when you're Mm. healing. Like you grieve your childhood, Mm. you grieve that your parents are not who you thought they were. You grieve so many things. Um, mm. But yeah, so so I've created, I've now, because I've done what's right, God was like, forget these nursing jobs, you're doing this. Um, and mm-hmm. so now I run these programs and I'm at the part where there's the heal program. So it's all about, it's 10 weeks of giving people the tools and knowledge they need to start mm. their healing journey. And once you have these tools and knowledge, you do it yourself because Therapy, therapy can be very helpful, uh, but you need mm-hmm. to have the tools and knowledge when you're alone. You're in therapy one hour yeah. a week yeah. and you're not yeah. necessarily in therapy. You're not, your subconscious is not running the same way. Yeah. Uh, but healing happens in your subconscious, when you bring your subconscious to awareness. So it's not when you're talking to mm. someone, it's you really having to be aware of, you know, mind connection with your body. And when you have trauma, it's very difficult to do that. So I give people the tools and knowledge mm-hmm. to do that. 
Um, and I then I have the RISE program afterwards because people, when you're doing healing work, it's very difficult. So you need something to excite and ex inspire you at the same time. So I help people find their purpose and passion. And we create, mm -hmm. literally, I have a step-by-step -step planning where we plan together how you're going to make your dreams happen. And so this mm -hmm. is how we're, I'm, tr I'm getting people to heal and live a life mm -hmm. of purpose. So transcend that trauma yeah. into a service to humanity. Um, and now yeah. I'm at the point where I'm creating a facilitator training so that people I'm can just run. I just to come to that. Thank you. Yeah. So <laughs> I know I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to go fast. No, no, no. Oh. I love it. I okay. love it. Um, yeah. Well. So, yeah. So, uh, so the people that are, have, finished the RISE program, some of them, their purpose was like, I want to help you. And so mm -hmm. um, I'm, they're going to become yeah. facilitators. Yeah. And mm -hmm. they're going to facilitate and we're going to have these programs going on everywhere, all over the, the country, because you're now mm -hmm. going to the root cause of the problem. Yeah. All the mental schizophrenia, bipolar, um, personality disorders, this is, it's all trauma. There's nothing you can't overcome. They mm -hmm. just they give you a, a disorder, a diagnosis, because those are the coping mechanisms that you picked up and they fit in this mm -hmm. box. And so that they can give you yeah. a pill to numb you and make profit off of you instead of showing you yeah. how to go to the root cause. So my program, yeah. actually, I have, I've run, um, you know, I just started uh, running them. It's, it's uh, almost a year now. And I have two, mm -hmm. two of my participants are off their bipolar medications just with the 10 week program. <laughs> right incredible and i have people that have been in therapy for decades that were like oh my god i've reconnected with my inner child so you know um, i'm just really proud of it so i want this program to run everywhere and then so now yeah. they're going to start running them in person everywhere and it goes with like a therapy too so i'm hooked in person mm -hmm. i do it with like at a gym and there's one yeah. hour box after uh, but we also yeah. offer, I offer it online too. Uh, it's cheaper mm -hmm. and it, any, anybody Perfect. can do. Um, yeah. But yeah, but the whole vision is, is that once I have these like facilitators everywhere, I'm going to start mm. renting houses to run the programs and those houses oh. will be called white houses. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Sarah, um, we are a little bit over time already, but I said to you, don't worry if we are, because I really, really, I'm so grateful, not just for what you do, but you came here, took the time to share about it. And I would really love it if I know that you're in our group, if you would share links about your program, how people can find you, how people can connect with you, how people can find out more about uh, how they can maybe participate in it or maybe even become facilitators. So I actively invite you, please come share your links. And uh, before we go, I just... I just want to thank you. I think words are not even enough to thank you for what you have shared today, but for everything that you have done, you know, the work that you have gone through, the mom that you wear in all of that, the beautiful, beautiful, shining example. I often use the title mama bear in shining armor. And I think it very much suits you. Um, and yes. I, I just want to really say again, how much I am absolutely in awe of who you are, and having watched you over the past few years, I'm just absolutely stunned, really stunned um, by what you have created. And uh, I can't wait to see, you know, the lighthouses spreading all over the country, all over the world. And um, 
before we go, is there anything that you would like to wrap this interview up with where you're like, if, if there's just one message that you take away from today, then it is this. It's stand in your truth. <laughs> Find, do not mm. be scared to look at the parts of you that you don't want to look at and work on them and bring yeah. them to light. You will be whole. We need to be yeah. whole in this world. That's how we make the world a better mm. place is by being connected to our soul. Um, you know, e there's nothing wrong with an ego. We don't, it's it's all about balance. The ego was there to, um, you know, protect us. Uh, but mm. it's, it's, it's great to get to know yourself and integrate it and know that mm. your ego is there in case you need it at any point in time, yeah. if your soul can't deal with it, but to find ways to um, really stay in integrity and, and stay mm. connected to yourself and you do that by not betraying yourself by pleasing others and it's very difficult because you you lose people right but yeah. then as you lose yeah. those people other kind of people come up and you 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 reach a live a different level of consciousness and you become mm. you know part of the solution in the world because right now we have a yeah, lot of that that in itself is incredible children yeah. running in adult bodies and that's why you see how we people just comply without asking questions you know mm. like you're everybody's allowed to do whatever they want but i think they should yeah. know exactly what they're getting into um so standing in standing in truth yeah. standing in truth but i just want to tell you marie um that before i spoke out and um Still now, I love you so much. Uh, you were an inspiration to me. Um, I read your book wow. like, as soon as it, it came out. I I really looked Thank up you. to you. I really looked up to you, and you were wow. one of those people on my Facebook that I I, I was inspired by, and still am. Uh, so I just thought you oh. you might want to hear that. And um, thank you so much. You're welcome. But then, and it's just the truth. It's just the truth. Yeah. You helped me a lot. Um, and I wanted to be like you because you started running programs before me. Wow. And I wasn't serious wow. back then. Like I wasn't doing it back then. I right? had no idea. This is so yeah. beautiful for me to hear. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, you're welcome. There are outstanding. I, I really, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love your beautiful final message. Sending your truth. It is so simple and yet not always easy at all you know and you have really done that and yeah you're an incredibly shining example for that thank you so much for being here today and everyone who wants to connect with sarah we will be sharing the links uh, and make oh, yeah. sure that you have every opportunity and to follow her on instagram and whatever you want to yeah. share um we'll be doing that so thank you so much for being here everybody thank else you thank you me. thank you for watching and this is sarah and marie signing off Bye for now, everyone. Love and light. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show and you would like to find out more about loving life after loss, please visit mariealessi.com. I shall see you next week. Bye.